service, we will have some words of remembrance. And the order is Sarah will come up first. So Sarah. From my earliest memories, Aunt Peggy was that special aunt that when we would be at Grandma's and she would pull up, we would all run because we knew that she was going to want to get a hug from us. And we would it was a game for us, so we would hide from her. And even at that young of an age, we all knew what um, love she had for us. She is the aunt that always wanted to know what we were doing and how we were doing. She always wanted what was best for us. When we didn't make the right choices, we knew we would have to face Aunt Peggy. And although she might not be happy with us for the moment, her love was unfailing. You know the saying, if Mama and Daddy won't get it, ask Grandma? Well, for me and my children, we could replace Grandma with Aunt Peggy. Growing up, we didn't have a lot, but Aunt Peggy made sure we had what we needed, whether it was material things or mannerly things. We knew her expectation was to always be our best and do our best. She provided for us in both areas. She taught us the importance of saying thank you, sitting up straight, not saying ain't, <laughs> and not smacking our chewing gum. She also showed us the importance of family, and at all cost, family comes first. She always made holidays special for my siblings and I when we were growing up. And it was a big deal when Aunt Peggy was coming home. I remember waiting for her at the back door of Grandma Stewart's house, and then Lee Ellen and I would run and hide, but she always got that hug anyway. She bought me my first Mickey Mouse watch, my little house novel set, because I'm sure I got my love for reading from her and my mama. She took me to buy my first prom dress, she even drove from Washington, D.C. to Pennsylvania to rescue me from a family trip that I was really not enjoying and then pampered me the whole time I was with her. Anytime she traveled, there would be postcards or gifts so she could include me. She made sure the important days of my life were special. From my wedding day to the birth of both my children, then it was their turn to be loved on and pampered by her. Making holidays special didn't stop once we were grown. She continued to make traditions for our family. Jacob, Nina, Abby, and Alex do not remember a Thanksgiving or Christmas without Aunt Peggy. Name places, which at one point Abby tried to switch just to mess with Aunt Peggy, which we know Abby loved to do, only to be scolded by her. Opening gifts and sharing in laughter to make holidays great for our children and for my mama. Those will be the difficult days to come for us. My prayer is that I can be half the person she was to my nieces and nephews and my family. Family meant the world to Aunt Peggy. Not many people are blessed to have someone who loves them unconditionally. And although we might have frustrated at her at times, and she frustrated us, she still had our backs and would stand up for us against anyone who might not have loved us like she did. I am so grateful that God gave me time with her for the past two months. I have seen a humble side of my Aunt Peggy, one of the strongest women 
I have ever known. And I saw how thankful she was for whatever we did for her. It was a blessing to see her face light up as family and longtime friends came to love on her, especially the little babies. I'm thankful to know that today is not the end and she will be greeting me with a hug at the gates of heaven. Thank you. So I'm Jacob. If you don't know me, that should pretty much sum it up. Um, (laughs) If you don't know me personally, you've heard stories of me. You've heard many stories of me, lots of stories of me. Uh, The darlings, as Peggy often referred to us, included myself, my younger cousin Nina, my little sister Abby, and Alex. And... For about a year and a half now, even my wife, Olivia. One of our no-no's favorite stories was the time she overheard someone asking how many grandkids Peggy had in a way that only Peggy could respond, everyone that Ree had. (sighs) Peggy loved each of us. And the only thing that rivaled her love was how proud she was of us. So as I was thinking about what to share today, a common theme kept popping into my mind. Thank you. After all, it only seems appropriate to tell Peggy thank you for all she has done for us. But it goes a little bit further than that. Peggy truly saw the value of saying thank you. And most importantly, as I learned at a very young age, the value of writing thank you. Thank you notes aren't something that many kids learn at a young age, unless you had an Aunt Peggy. As a kid, I remember Peggy and Jerry returning from Washington, D.C., where they visited Mrs. Seifert often. Most of those trips included with returning a small gift or trinket. Not much, but certainly a thoughtful gesture from Miss Seifert. No sooner than I opened it, and most certainly before I began to play with it, I was told that I would sit down right then and there and write her a thank you note for the gift. Yeah, Peggy didn't play any games. So fast forward to just over a year ago, Olivia and I had Peggy and Jerry over for dinner at a house one evening. Mind you, this was no special occasion, just a regular weeknight. Uh, We ate dinner with them routinely. But this is the first time I think that we had cooked. So the the evening came and went, just like the countless other meals, and the only exception was that we had prepared it. Within two days, we came home to a thank you note in her mailbox. (laughs) That's just Peggy. I'm sure many of you in here have received similar notes from her over the years. So with all of this being said, Aunt Peggy, here's one last thank you note from your darlings. (laughs) This isn't just from me. This is with input from all of us. Thank you for marrying Jerry. 
and most importantly, convincing him to move to Broadway, North Carolina. Our lives certainly wouldn't have been the same without both of y'all. Thank you for showing us the importance of education and making sure our bookshelves were always stocked. Thank you for constantly correcting our grammar and making sure we spoke as if we had some sense. This is the first one here. Thank you for showing us that it's okay to shout obscenities when someone pulls out in front of you in the car. <laughs> or maybe it's not, but you're the reason I got that one. This one comes from my little sister, Abby. Thank you for editing all the papers I've ever written. I certainly wouldn't have gotten into and definitely not graduated from college without you. Thank you for host or thank you for showing us the importance of family and how much you loved each of us. Thank you for hosting Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve and making sure there was always a perfectly planned menu, often many months in advance, and a specific place at the table until someone decided to move the name tags. Thank you for always pushing us to become the best versions of ourselves. And because I know that you're looking down on us, last but not least, thank you for that one time where you told us that Abby looked like a bulldog. <laughs> we told you that you were never going to live that one down, so here we are. We love you, Jacob, Nina, Abby, and Alex. All I can say is that list of things that she got on you for, that you listed, about the same things she got on me for. <laughs> she was a gift. She was an angel. It's still too hard to believe it, but we're here to say goodbye to a beautiful, beautiful woman to honor her character, her life of service, and the sweet memories that she leaves us. And I've talked with so many of you here already about those memories, some of them. You know, not many of us get to go to the places that she went to, hobnob with state and national leaders the way she did. But no matter where she was, who she was with, Peggy Seifert's real world was right here with the love of her life, Jerry, with her family, with the extraordinary people she loved. She was all about family and loyalty. I talked to about 10 people Wednesday night. I said, give me one word that would describe Peggy Seifert. Some of them gave me more than one word, but all 10 of them used the word loyalty. Some said faithfulness, hardworking, but they all said loyalty. What an honor to stand here before this amazing congregation. I see a family in grief, a community in mourning, a church intensely loving and all of us left lonesome for that voice that was unique to Peggy. Left lonesome yet here we are 
with so much unspent love all about us. Love that we want to give to her. Georgia Lee Brown and I were talking earlier. I think, Georgia Lee, that's what grief is. Jamie Anderson said that grief is just love with no place to go. I've thought about it, and I can't think of anybody else that I've had a friendship, a constant, uninterrupted friendship with longer than I've had with Peggy. Goes back to 19... 59. We were mere young'uns, 18 years old, and I wonder how long it's going to take me not to reach in my pocket, get my phone out, and start to call Peggy about something, something I wanted to do for me or to ask her something. Now, some of you know she often called me Stanley. My first name is Stanley. Nobody but my mama ever called me, and she said Stanley Gerald, and that meant I was in trouble and Peggy said Stanley usually meant the same thing. That <laughs> Sometimes she could use it as a term of endearment, but more often than not, I was about to get a double-barreled Stuart tongue lashing. <laughs> Some of you nieces and nephews know what I mean. She gave you no quarter just because she loved you. You should have known better. You had better raising. She expected more of you. I'm a Recall one day, she came into my office uninvited, <laughs> opened the door. Now, Stanley, I could tell she was loaded. I said, wait a minute, Peggy, I don't want to hear it. I don't have time for it. I don't want to hear it. She stood there for a long minute, leaned closer into me, staring holes into my skull, and I can still hear every crisp consonant and clear vowel as she intoned, well, Stanley, you're going to hear it whether you want to hear it or not. <laughs> and then as she finished and turned with that twist that she could do, and she said, and furthermore, if you'd have done it right to start with, you wouldn't have had to hear it. <laughs> I had no choice but to put up with her. The reasons Jacob and Sarah Marie have already said. She was an angel. She was an angel. A special angel, so special that she could even tell you when you were wrong, even if you didn't want to hear it, especially if you didn't want to hear it. Been a bad summer for me. My wife, Sue, and I were married for 55 wonderful years. I married my dream come true. When I learned this past April that Sue was terminally ill with a liver disease, you can imagine how devastating and overwhelming that is. I had so many people who helped me and called. And, but you know who the first person I called? to talk about it, Peggy. You see, next to Sue, she was usually my go-to person when I had a problem. And it's been that way since I can't remember when it wasn't, Jerry. And then at Sue's funeral, which was like 
three days being three months precisely ago, three months. She was there like a mother hen checking on us every few minutes, making sure that I had water for the children and the grandchildren. It was always there for me during my happiest successes. And here she was there in my deepest sorrow. Now, some of you might say that Peggy lived by her own set of standards and principles. You might say that. But the truth is, those standards were set a long time ago on a Mount of Olives. And you'll find them in the 25th chapter of Matthew. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. A stranger, you took me in. You know them. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you Peggy didn't have a failing or two. I mean, she could be a bit testy at times, <laughs> had a short fuse, a bit of a temper, colorful language, to say the least. But I'll say this, when she did explode, she did it with style and clarity. <laughs> she left no doubt. Well, she was human. But did you ever see her snub anybody? Did you ever see her show bitterness or jealousy or class consciousness? A.A. A. Milne wrote of a make-believe place called the Hundred Acre Wood with make-believe animals. One day Piglet asked, how do you spell love? Pooh answered, you don't spell it, you feel it. And then Pooh went on to say, some people care too much. I think it's called love. Bill could have been writing about Peggy Seifert. You could feel her love, even when she got on you, Jacob. There was always a card, a cake, a hug, a call, a lunch. She'd find a way to let you know that she cared. Now, I'm not saying she was a saint, not saying she wasn't either, but what you saw in Peggy every day were her ethics, so honest, simple, deep. You saw her moral code in her actions, in the life she lived, not just in mere words. How many people can you say that about? Our daughter, Lisa, Lisa Coates, who is here today, she grew up knowing Peggy, but she didn't really know her that well until she was grown, and, and she and Peggy ended up working in the same office. She was over at the house one night, and I said, Lisa, how's Peggy doing? She laughed, and she said, Daddy, I know why you and Peggy get along so well. I said, yeah. She said, yeah, she's got a temper like yours. <laughs> and she cusses. <laughs> I said, well, honey, she can't help that. She's a steward. It's genetic. <laughs> but I said, let me tell you something. The day will come when you'll find yourself with your back to the wall 
and there won't be anybody there to help you. And you will look up, and there'll be somebody there, and it'll be Peggy. And then I thought I would explain to my daughter about angels, and I'll explain it to you people. You see, God sends us the angels that we need. You know, some of us do have a temper. Some of us cuss a little bit. Not much, preacher. <laughs> so God might send us somebody who relates to us. Somebody like Peggy. Some time went by, I don't know, a year, I don't know. But one day, Lisa reminded me of that conversation when I had told her what would happen. I don't know what, I don't remember exactly, but, but at any rate, she found herself with no help, a lot of things to do. After work, the door opens. Who's there? Peggy. Come on, Lisa, we'll get it done. And I told her, I said, one thing about Peggy, and that's genetic, it runs in the family too. When you need help, she'll be the first one there and she'll stay with you till it's done. If I might use biblical language, Peggy saw people through the eyes of her heart. And I will quote my wife, Sue said, when we see with our hearts, love becomes a part of daily living. Mother Teresa told us, it is not how much we do, but how much love we put in the doing. Peggy put a lot of love in a lot of things that she did. And she was, in return, loved by a lot of people as witness what's happening here today. To Jerry and this amazing family and so many surpassing people I see here, and especially you nieces and nephews, to all of us who were privileged to be her friend, there's nothing we can do for her now. She does not need our help, but we still need her. And she'll be here for us, like the stars and the moon above, like the wind all about us. Her love will still be with us. The example she set will remain. The things she stood for will endure. The words she spoke to you will not be forgotten. Her stories will be told and retold, and she will continue to speak to us if we listen. So breathe deeply, Peggy. Speak clearly and often. We need you. Blessings. 14th chapter. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, I will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. 
and you know the way to the place where I am going. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Of course, as we already heard, many of you know about Peggy's public service in Raleigh and Washington. Also, for many years, Peggy became the backbone of the Duncan Archie Stewart side of the family, the one who stepped in and lovingly reminded everyone that family is still important. Peggy did not hesitate to pick up the phone just to call and see how everyone was doing. As we've already heard, her wisdom and her caring was an inspiration to friends and certainly to her family. And of course, will remain with us way past this day, will never pass away. Now, especially in times like these, we will all ask this question. What happens to a loved one when they die? We never really think about that until death enters our home and takes from us one dearer than life itself. Then death is something that you don't just read about happening to someone else, to another family, to other friends, to another church, to another community. Then we ask questions that mean more to us more than anything else. Like where is she? Is she safe? Is she suffering? Is she lonely? Someone asked these questions of the Apostle Paul, and he wrote down in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 1, he wrote, For we know that when this tent we live in, this body here on earth, is torn down, God will have a house in heaven for us to live in, a home he himself has made which will last forever. Now, I'm so glad that Paul wrote that because, you see, it tells us that the moment a Christian closes her eyes in death here on earth, she will open her eyes again to life in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present instantly with the Lord, as Scripture promises. As Christians, we have this promise. Even though the body of a person dies, her spirit the real person goes to be with Jesus. People often ask, does it hurt to die? Now, I really suppose that is the fear most of us have about death, isn't it? It's not so much the fear of death as it is the fear of dying, the fear of the unknown, the fear of entering a door that we have never walked through before. The late Donald Gray Barnhouse, a great preacher of the gospel, had the tragic experience of burying his wife while his children were still very young. On the way to the service at the church, at the burial at the cemetery, his little five-year-old boy looked up into Dr. Barnhouse's eyes and said, Daddy, did it, did it, did it hurt Mommy to die? That 
great preacher thought that his heart would break. What do you say to a five-year-old little boy that he could really understand? About that time, they passed a large truck that had pulled over to the side of the road to allow the funeral procession to pass through. The body of the truck came between the sun and the car and passed a shadow over the car. Immediately, Dr. Dr. Barnhouse, Barnhouse said, Son, did, did, did you see that shadow that just ran over us? And the little boy said, Yeah. And, and the father asked, Now, son, did it hurt? And the little boy said, Well, no, daddy. Then Dr. Barnhouse quoted those great words of David where he said, and I, we said it a few minutes ago. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Did you ever pick that up before? Through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Death for the Christian, you see, is like that. It, it, it's a shadow that passes over us just for a moment. And then gives way forever to the glorious light of God's Son. It does not hurt to die. It hurts to live. It hurts to struggle against the difficulty of living. It hurts to lose a battle against terminal illness. But it does not hurt to die. Death for the Christian is a release into a painless life with Jesus Christ. James Welton Johnson, a black poet and preacher, wrote when a, moment, when a mother died, he wrote, Weep not, she's not dead, she's resting in the bosom of Jesus. Death, I dare you, the Apostle Paul as much as said, what can you do to me? We think that the worst thing that can happen to a person is for her to die. But the worst that death can do to any one of us who knows Jesus Christ is to take her and lay her tenderly into the loving arms of our Savior Jesus Christ. As Christians, that is our faith and no other. May God continue to put his arms around this family and dear friends. May they continue to feel the warmth and the comfort of the presence of our Savior Jesus. And may the promise of seeing Jesus face to face take away the terror of death and show it to be only the doorkeeper to an everlasting life, waiting to usher us into the living presence of our loving Father. Remember the words from 1 Thessalonians. We want you to know the truth about those who have died so that those who have died, will not, those who remain, will not be sad and have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and he rose again, so that we believe that God will take back with Jesus those who have died and believe in him. There is a brighter day. There's a brighter day beyond all of the sunsets of life. Because of Jesus, 
there's more. There's much, much more. There's strength. There's promise. There's reunion. There's hope. Never forget that. Never forget that. Let us pray. God of love, we thank you for all that which you have blessed us with, even this very day. Help us to live true to those blessings, to honor you and those we love. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and the love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and, of course, remain with you always. Amen. The family and friends would like for me to give this word of thanksgiving to UNC Rex Hospital for all the professional help that was given to Peggy, also Heritage Hospice for their help, and certainly a word of thanksgiving and deep gratitude for the wonderful turnout that has come to celebrate the life as it was what was said earlier of a true angel. Thank you for coming. Our recessional hymn is 557, Bless Be the Tide That Binds, 557.